Hi there. Uh, if you're jumping in late or if we've never met, my name is J.D. Mangrum. I have the privilege of being uh, the pastor of Christ Church Charlestown. So thankful that you would be here today. If you haven't been with us in previous weeks, we're in the middle of a series. We're getting toward the end of it called Soundtrack. What does your life sound like? And every week I share a vinyl because that's how we prefer to listen to music in our house. Uh, I share a vinyl of one of our favorite albums of all time and, and then I'll say why I like it and then we'll talk about how it kind of ties into a gospel theme today. Today, the album is another soundtrack. This is uh, the original 1977 vinyl of Star Wars. I love it. It's even got some of the photos from the movie, and that's so cool. All the Star Wars nerds, all the people like my wife who don't care about Star Wars probably aren't impressed. I love this soundtrack. Uh, the it's, um, it's all orchestral. It was done by John Williams. If you don't know who John Williams is, think about the greatest composer of all time for movie scores. He did Jaws, Star Wars, Superman, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., you may keep going, Home Alone, Jurassic Park, Saving Private Ryan, Harry Potter, and countless others. If there's a great orchestral score, there's a good chance um, that John Williams sort of arranged it and conducted it. On this particular album, the Star Wars album, you can hear every, every instrument, every person is doing their part and they're telling this incredible story, this story of good guys and bad guys and of hope and of loss and of battle and of victory. And you can hear it in the songs. Even if you never saw the movie, Movie, you would totally hear the score and pick up on the arc of the story and I love that. You know what would not have worked on the Star Wars soundtrack? What would be an absolute disaster is if you had one person going rogue, like one trombone or one violin going rogue and doing its own thing, it doesn't work. Everyone, for this soundtrack to be so good and any other orchestral piece, everyone has to play their part and they have to be very very mindful of their role in the greater symphony. It won't work if one person isn't committed to the symphony and the story of Star Wars and what John Williams is trying to tell in the music. More than what does your life sound like today, because that's been what we've been doing with soundtrack, I want to ask us today, we need to ask what does our life sound like? You know, the Bible is a community book. And so today we're gonna speak in terms of community. What does our collective sort of faith life uh, sound like? Do we sound unified, or I even love this word, do we even sound symphonic? Do we sound symphonic together? I'm gonna read to us today from the book of Ephesians. It's Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, the second largest city in the Roman Empire. The first three chapters of Ephesus, he's talking about what it means to believe rightly about God. And then in chapters four, five, and six, he's talking about collectively what it looks like to live rightly in relationship to God and one another. Now, at Christ Church, usually on Sundays, we read from the ESV, the English Standard Version of the Bible. Today, I'm gonna to read from the NIV, the New International version of the Bible. I actually just like the way that this uh, translation handles the verbs. They're both really similar. They're both really true to the original Greek, but I want to read to you from this version if I might. Ephesians uh, 4 verses 3 through 6 says this, now make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's only, there's one body and one Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, 
one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. God, will you speak to us today? Will you help us figure out Are we part of this symphony that you are conducting on planet Earth as uh, through the church? And specifically through our church, are, is each person watching and listening part of the symphony? And are they playing their role well? God, help us to play in unity. Help us to hear what you want to say to us today and to, to do it and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in one sense, Christians are already unified. Look at, the, look at the passage. It tells us several ways that Christians are unified. One, we're unified. We're one body. Christ Church Charlestown is a body. It's not an organization. It's not an institution. It's not a logo. Every follower of Christ in Charlestown also, even beyond Christ Church Charlestown, every follower of Christ in Charlestown is also part of the church, the body of Christ. And even more, believers in other parts of this city and in other cities and in other countries speaking different languages, living in different cultures, even across different times and ages are one. We are one body. We're a part of the capital C church is what we call it here. None of those differences or distances separate us. We remain Christ's body, what I often refer to as the capital C church, as opposed to local churches like Christ Church Charlestown or First Church or other churches, Charles River Church. Those are what I would call a lowercase c church, a local church. Paul also says we're unified because we're, we have one spirit. The moment you became a Christ follower, God's Spirit took up residence in you. Same for me. It's the same Holy Spirit. No matter how He sort of shows Himself in our lives, when we became Christ followers, He was there. And we all get the same amount of Him, regardless of maybe what you've heard. We all have the same amount of God's Holy Spirit living in us if we are in Christ. Third, we have one hope. By Christ's death and resurrection alone, we have forgiveness. We have relationship with God. And we have abundance and eternal life. That is the same hope. We share that same hope, good news or gospel. The fourth thing is we have one Lord, it says. We, have the, we worship the Trinitarian God. We were just talking this morning in our family with the boys, with Noah and Noah and our sons about how God is Trinity. He's one in three and three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if that's confusing to you or a mystery, then you're in good company because no theologian has figured this out. It's big enough for God to contain, but our minds and hearts can't contain all that it means. This is a mystery, but we all serve the same Lord, the same God, the same King of the universe. We have one faith. Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Christ is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. That's the faith. That's Christianity. The conviction that Christ is risen from the dead and that he's Lord and that we've made this confession and surrendered to follow Christ even if it costs us everything. We have one faith. We have one baptism. Now as a church, we practice believers baptism by dunking. I just call them dunking or immersions. They're big parties. We like to hire professional photographers and make a big deal out of it because it's a sermon in action. The baptism doesn't wash away our sins. Jesus' death washed away our sins. What baptism does is it symbolizes new life. So when we dunk someone, we put them under the water saying, just as Christ was buried, we're burying the old person and then we pull them up quickly, though sometimes the wives say, leave the husband under a little longer. We pull the person up quickly 
And, uh, and we say, just as Christ rose from the dead, now in Christ we have new victorious resurrection life. And this is the most powerful thing, quite frankly, that we do as a church, communion and baptism. So powerful, but because baptisms are a little more rare, they're even more special. It unifies us. How many of you remember uh, who else got dunked the day that Scott got dunked? I can promise you this, Scott can tell you who got dunked that day. Renee got, um, Renee got dunked the day that one of my sons did. I can remember all of those uh, faces and that moment. Who remembers those baptism days? I promise you, you don't remember a sermon. More than likely, I preached two years ago, but you remember those baptisms. Why? Because it's powerful, but also because it unifies us. It's so memorable. It's a profound part of our unity in Christ. And, and let me just say sort of in parentheses really quickly that if you've never done that, I would, I would ask like, why is it that you haven't identified with Christ in this way? And let me even pastor you and challenge you and say, if Jesus commanded that we do it, and if Paul here talks about it makes up our unity, I think you need to strongly consider what's keeping you from being dunked and immersed or baptized, identifying personally with Christ. Each one of these things that Paul lists here is enough to unify us in and of itself. But when we think about them all in their totality, it makes us really difficult for us to kind of stand apart and say, oh, I'm not, I'm not unified with him or her or them. And all this is because of Jesus. Galatians 3.28 says, Here there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, nor male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is the source of our unity. In other words, in and among God's church, Christ is our highest identity. Therefore, what unifies us and what we have in common, Christ, and all these other points of our unity, is greater and over what would divide us or seek to make us different or make us feel like insiders or outsiders. Christ is our highest identity. Now to this point, finally, regarding our lowercase c local church, let me say, because of this unity, as a specific local church in a specific place and time, we're to have a unified mission. Why? Well, here's why. Because let's pretend we were going bowling. Let's pretend that we're illegal at this moment. We were going to go bowling. Let's say there's going to be six of us. We might all have different goals. Some of us might want to individually win. That would be me. I want to win. For bowling, I want to win. Some might have a goal. Let's see how well we can do as a team. Some of you are all about team. Let's see if we can have the highest score we could get as a team. Some of you would say, look, let's make the most memorable night. You're going to be the ones who are trying to bowl between your legs and doing all this crazy stuff. You're trying to have a memorable night. And some of you would say, I just want to catch up with friends. I don't need to remember this necessarily. I don't need a high score. I just want to talk with my friends. Do you see how us having different missions and different expectations for the evening could create a stressful night if the goal isn't clarified? This is why we need unity. Here's our mission. Here's what we're going for as a church, as Christ Church Charlestown. We exist to bring Charlestown together around the gospel. Now, just by show of hands, like I literally want you to kind of raise your hands. I know some of you, this makes you feel weird, but let me ask you three questions. How many people want to see Charlestown come together around God? 
I, I want that. I, I hope you would want that. Two, how many people want to see Charlestown come together around the gospel? Now, what's the gospel? The idea that we can be at peace with God, free from guilt, have a relationship with God, not based on our performance. How many people would say, yeah, I think that's a good thing. Like, I want to see more people come around that truth, that idea. How many people say, no, I think that's stupid. I don't want Charlestown to come around that. Like, hopefully nobody would say that, right? Finally, uh, third question, how many people want Charlestown to come together uh, and our differences not be able to distance or divide us? How many people would like to see people of all backgrounds and stories in Charlestown come together around one another and around the gospel? Like, I think we would all hopefully want that. Our mission as a church is to do those things. If you want people to come together around God, the gospel, and one another, then whether you are yet a Christian or not, or if this is your first time, you're part of CCC, you're part of Christ Church Charlestown, and the vision and mission that God has given us on some level. Now here's the problem from this passage. In another sense, like in one sense we're unified, all these same one things, but in another sense we have to fight, we have to be eager, Paul said, to maintain unity. That's what verse 3 said, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. See, we're different. We're different. I look at our church, and it's a fairly diverse group of people. Did you know, here's a fun stat, 90% of America worships in churches that are 90% racially homogenous. Now, it's just kind of picking on race today, but 90% of America worships in churches that are 90% racially homogenous. Christ Church Charlestown is an outlier. We're in that unique 10% that's not like that. That idea, though, is what led Martin Luther King to say, it is appalling that the most segregated hour of Christian America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, or in our case, 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. He was right then, and statistically speaking, he's still right today, and also emotionally speaking, we are different and haven't figured out in Christ how to come together around our differences. Now, some are going to reply and say, oh, pfft, I'm colorblind. I don't see color. Well, that's silly because God and his creativity and love made us different skin colors and different ages, and he just made us different. And denying our different, even pigmentations, is not only not helpful, it's also not realistic, it's also not honest. But the biggest problem with it is it's looking at God and saying, you know, now you just didn't really know what you were doing when you made us all that different. So I'm just going to pretend, I'm going to put on these lenses and pretend that you didn't do that. God didn't make you and I to be colorblind. He didn't make you and I to ignore our differences as a church. In fact, we're to look at them and do something very different. He also didn't make us to be homogenous or uniform. Uniformity is when we all uh, we're, while we're all trying to act the same, even while we're different. Unity is when we are harmonious, when we're symphonic in the midst of our differences. Going back to Star Wars, do you remember the stormtroopers, those uh, robots? I don't think they were robots. There were people under those uniforms, I guess, those, um, those big get-ups. But going back to Star Wars, the stormtroopers were uniform. They had the same look. Do you remember them? They had the same pace in their walk. They had the same monotone in their talk. They were all the same. They were uniform. 
The Republic, Luke, Leia, Chewbacca, Han Solo, Lando, Carl Rissian, uh, Admiral Akbar, all of these revolutionaries committed to defeating the dark side, they were unified. Same team, same mission, but different stories, different look, different home planets. Same enemy, though, to defeat. Same mission, same vision, same enemy. God is calling us to unity in our differences, not uniformity. Uniformity tells us we have to be the same color, socioeconomic group, story, background, family structure, family upbringing, age, struggles, and so on and so on. Unity looks at those differences, however, and says, Wow, isn't God amazing to let me and each of us be part of this mosaic of a body that he is created and is creating? How amazing that he would bring me into this. Christchurch Charlestown, how amazing that we don't have to be uniform, but we can be unified together as we follow Christ. So how do we stay sym symphonic? How do we stay and fight for unity? Can I give us really quickly three things I would point us to? One, we need to humble ourselves under all that we have in common. Remember Ephesians 4, especially our one God, or one salvation. Also remember our shared mission. We exist to bring Charlestown together around the gospel. We begin to serve one another, and out of that humility and that reminder of all we have in common, we begin to serve one another, love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, bless one another, and as we, and we humble ourselves as we do all of those things. It's not that we're thinking less of ourselves, it's when we think about what God is doing and we think about how blessed we are to be connected with one another, we don't think... Uh, less of ourselves, but we think of ourselves less as a choice. We remember we're a small part in a big story in this neighborhood, in this world, in this history. In light of my small part in all God's big story, how can I go rogue and just start playing my own notes, not joining in the symphony? So humble ourselves. Second thing I think we ought to do, recognize and refuse our we-them secondary adjective differences. Now, it's a heavy sentence, so let me explain it a little bit. See, we all make these categories for making sense of people in the world. It helps us sort out the world. We create these sort of mental boxes that we put people and things in. Sociologists call it a cognitive miserliness. It's a big phrase, but basically it means to keep our brains from being exhausted. When we walk into a room or into a place, our brains just kind of to save energy, to be miserly with mental energy, we create these boxes and we put people in them so we're not just brain dead at the end of the day. It's natural human nature to do this, but we have to remember as Christians, we have a redeemed nature. We're not chained to our natural nature anymore. We have a new mind in Christ, the Bible tells us. We have to recognize these we-them categories we create. We have to reject them outright because they are secondary. Christ, Christian, is the noun. All those other things are just the adjectives. Christians are Christ followers is who we're called to be. That's a noun. It's who we are. It's who we are in Christ. Everyone is either in Christ or not yet in Christ. A Christ follower or not a Christ follower. That's the category. That's the category. I'm in Christ or I'm not. I am. I'm not yet. 
All the other descriptors for us, though, are secondary. Remember Galatians 3.28. You are all one in Christ Jesus. For Christians, all other descriptors are secondary. They're adjectives. They describe how we are, not who we are in Christ or how we are in our culture. These will be adjectives like young Christian or old Christian. I fit in because I'm young Christian or I don't fit in because I'm older Christian. The adjective's not helpful necessarily. Wealthy or not wealthy Christian. Democrat or Republican Christian. Towny or yuppie Christian. Catholic or Protestant Christian. Black, white, Hispanic, Latino, Asian, Middle Eastern, etc. Christian. These are fine categories. They just don't describe who we are. And if we let them, these we, they, we, them paradigms and, and categories will divide us. And we have to fight against that. They're not helpful. They take what should be one, unified, symphony, and they divide us if we let them. We celebrate our differences, but we don't let them categorize or separate us. We constantly have to renew our minds in Christ Jesus by reading scripture and aligning our hearts and minds. Uh, as Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, renewing our minds and being transformed in Christ. Renewing the mind isn't just about memorizing Bible verses or stopping thinking swear words. It's changing our thought patterns. It's literally changing the tracks that our thoughts go down as we trust and obey Christ, including how we think about others away from the way culture conditions us to think, to align our thought patterns with Jesus and the gospel. Listen, this is not in the notes, always dangerous. The news agencies in our culture are intended to make you angry at other people because if you're angry, you tune in. So they're constantly going to make these we, they paradigms. Listen, we have way more in common than we are led to believe in our culture today. And as Christ followers, we have the most important thing in common with one another. Third thing that we need to do, look to Christ. Look to Christ. Remember Philippians 3, 1 through 11, which tell us, don't look only to your own interests, but look also to Christ, who being in his very nature of God did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but instead he humbled himself. It says he even emptied himself of all of his sort of godness and he took the form of a servant and he became obedient even to death, death on a cross. We are different from God. We are different from God, but in love he pursued us, loved us, accepted us, laid down his life for us, and welcomed us. When we see the gap between how different we were from God and how uh, that chasm between us, how can we not choose unity and symphony and how we're going to view one another? We must look to Christ in order to now pursue and love and accept and welcome and even lay down our lives for one another. And every single person in Charlestown and everywhere else that God puts us and, and everyone else that God puts us in, uh, puts in our path. We're different. It's great. But we're one. And that oneness isn't manufactured by our goodness, effort, our wokeness, oh, I'm so woke, or even our church mission or logo. It was purchased by Jesus through laying down his life to pay for our sins and accomplish our salvation. To God be the glory. He has called us a symphony. He's called us unified. Now let's play, each of us play our notes. Let's make every effort to maintain the unity. Let's play our notes together in unity and with grace. Let me pray for us. God,
If there are people who are committed to that mission, wanting to see this neighborhood come together around you and the gospel, but they say they're not a Christian, first of all, thank you that they are part of Team Christ Church Charlestown. God, help them see that they may be closer to salvation than they realized. And give them courage today to even say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cross over the line. And today I'm choosing to follow Christ and surrender myself. To the second group in our church might be the people who've never publicly identified as part of the orchestra. They've never said, oh, I'm going to be baptized. I'm, I'm, I'm not, they've not ever made that commitment. God, I pray that you would give them boldness and courage to say, I need to do that. I want to do that. It's a step of faith. It's not just going to feel easy or obvious, but God, it's going to demand boldness and courage. But you've called us to do it. So Lord, maybe right now convict people's hearts to go public with their faith in this way if they haven't. And third, for all of us, God, I pray that we would consider the symphonic beauty of what you're doing in our neighborhood and in this world. And God, help us join in and help us play our notes to align with the notes of the symphony that you are playing and writing in the midst of us. We love you. We bless you. We thank you that we get to be the church that we are in Christ, it's who we are. And though we are different, though the how we are is different to people in our culture, uh, God, it doesn't change who we are. Help us to fight to remember who we are and how we are unified in Christ together. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So in closing, I just want to encourage you to go to our website, ChristChurchCharleston.com slash connect. Fill out your connection card. Let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ or be baptized or any other decision. Or if you didn't even make a decision today, you just watch church. We'd love for you to do that for us as well. It would truly mean a lot. We'll get you connected this week with a living room. We'll get some of those going. If you want to be part of one of those, it's not too late. Just let us know. God bless you. Thank you for being here. I hope you have a tremendous day.